This episode and all episodes are brought to you by Lemonade. Lemonade is a fantastic drink. I drink it all the time. It's my favorite drink. It's the perfect beverage for somebody who needs to drink liquid throughout the day, but also eats a disastrously low level of fruits and vegetables and must guard against scurvy. Lemonade is your friend. So consider getting some lemonade. And again, just a thank you to the big lemonade lobby for investing in our content here at Silly Little Ding Dongs. Okay, moving on. Praise the Lord, the mic is working. Welcome to Silly Little Ding Dongs. I'm effing thrilled that you're here. I'm Lisa Lorraine Carson. DM me for my social security number. I am here because I want to have fun. <laughs> I want to laugh with you. Silly Little Ding Dongs is a very short podcast that is extremely unserious, and it is a place where I will share with you all of the silly little ding-dongs I see in the world, all of the things that just surprise me, make me happy, silly little ding-dongs. The reason I started Silly Little Ding-dongs is because I'm working on a larger podcast project that requires maximum editing, maximum discipline. I think about every single word. It's honestly, kind of a fucking nightmare. <laughs> this is a bigger art project that is like a problem child that won't respond to my beatings. And while I continue to break that horse, you can tell I'm going to be a great parent. Um, while I continue to work that problem, I need an outlet to share things that are just so funny that I can't keep them to myself. There are so many things in this world that crack me the fuck up. I'm genuinely confused about how everybody everywhere isn't walking around looking at things and going, uh, <laughs> is anyone else seeing this? Just little tiny things. I'll never forget this. Years ago, I was walking on the streets of New York City and someone had impaled an apple on top of a fire hydrant. I, I lost it. I lost it. I gave full unhinged person on the sidewalk cracking up because who does that? Think about that moment. Some person carrying an apple, apple in hand, and they made some decision out of anger, boredom, happiness. Like what drives you to impale the apple? And you know how a fire hydrant has like a little nut, like a little, it sounds weird. Um, it has like the little screw thingy at the top that kind of like keeps the whole thing together or something. I don't fucking know. But there's like a screw on the top of the fire hydrant. That's what I mean. He had impaled it on that. Like the screw sort of jutted up because obviously I had to investigate. I removed the apple because I was like, how is it staying there? That's how I noticed it is that it was simply not moving. The apple was balanced perfectly on top of a fire hydrant. And I was like, um, that's interesting. That's weird. And I had to go look and I poked it and I was like, okay, it's solidly on there. And I, you know, I just got involved. I couldn't help it. I removed it and this, he had just Vlad the Impaler, okay? Full-blown medieval torture to the apple. And it was so funny. Why would someone do that? That's amazing. I am so thankful to the apple impaler every day because I got such a hard LOL. And that was a bad day for me. And I saw this apple and I was just like, son of a bitch, God is good. That is an example of a silly little ding dong. Silly little ding dongs don't mean a damn thing, but then they also do. 
they make the world brighter and it's dumber and funner, brighter and lighter. And I just, I'm an absolute slut for the joke. I love the joke. When I'm laughing, I feel no pain, like all people in the world. I will absolutely die for the joke. And I just want to share some. I just want to share some. So let's rock and roll. I want to start by telling you a story. This is longer than most silly little ding-dongs, but it's really important because I do think it sets the table for something I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this. One of the key features of silly little ding-dongs is accepting that silly little ding-dongs are born from the randomness of this universe, which can oftentimes be a significant amount of pain, right? All of the fates and the furies and everything's rushing around us and life is happening and people are making choices and dogs are barking and people are impaling apples on the streets of New York City. And sometimes it hurts us. And sometimes people are downright fucking cruel. But all of that randomness swirls like a hurricane. All of that randomness swirls like a hurricane. And inside that hurricane are all of these beautiful little bits of insanity. Little ships with George Clooney on them going, we ought to get the fish. That's a silly little ding dong. Fuck, man. I could talk about Perfect Storm for 24 hours nonstop. The fish. Looking for fish in the ocean inside of a hurricane. You just, you can't get more ding-dong than that. But anyway, moving on. The point being, silly little ding-dongs are born from randomness, and randomness often ushers in a supreme amount of pain. And to illustrate this fact, I'm going to tell you a story. A couple of years ago, I was living in Park Slope, Brooklyn. If you're unfamiliar with this area, it is, I wouldn't say deep Brooklyn, but it's not... It's not the crust of Brooklyn. It's not the edge of Brooklyn. It's not the crust of the sandwich. It's like in there. And I had a flight out of Newark Airport. Newark is the airport that is about as far away from Park Slope as you can be. For many years, I lived in downtown Manhattan, and my airport of choice frequently was LaGuardia because I was riding the bus of the sky southwest to and fro Nashville, where I'm originally from. And I had gotten pretty comfortable with that trek. I was willing to chance it and I would get to the airport 32 minutes before the flight is set to take off and I could get there, like that kind of stuff. Um, but this was different. I had only lived in Park Slope for a short period of time. I never fly out of Newark. So I just didn't really know how much time to budget. And thus I did not budget nearly enough time. I get the Uber to the airport because I'm fucking bourgeoisie loser who doesn't know how to use mass transit for things like this. And I'm watching the minutes leave this earth and it's getting closer and closer to time. And I'm realizing I fucked up. It's getting real close. I get to the airport with about 25 minutes until the flight is set to take off. And this is scary to me don't know how this airport works. I don't know what the security situation is like in terms of how busy it is. It did not even occur to me that I needed to know anything more about security beyond the fundamentals of how to participate and how busy it is. Keep that in mind. So I'm late. This is bad. I just pick a line. There's multiple security lines. I pick the one that looks the smallest. As far as I could tell, Newark airport security is arranged like a French toast stick. It's long. It could have feasibly been a quarter mile long. 
I didn't have time to run down the whole thing to see which one was shortest. So I was like, okay, of the three that are right here, pick the line that is shortest. So I do that. I queue up in it and there's the line before the line, right? You're waiting for the guy to like look at your ID and confirm you're not a lizard or whatever. And then you get to go and take your shoes off or whatever. I have T, sorry, I have TSA pre. I just want to be clear. I have TSA pre. Even that was fucked beyond belief. I'm not saying I'm better for having TSA pre. I'm just saying I know what the fuck is up. So in a way, I am saying I'm better. I have TSA pre. I'm waiting in that line and I'm realizing if I wait in this line, I'm going to miss this flight. It's long. And suddenly the fates start to kick in. There is an airport personnel pushing a lady in a wheelchair through the line and they're about to cut because he has authority. He works there. And I just made a game time decision. I hitched a ride. I pretended like I was part of their entourage and I just tagged along and the lady and her daughter, whoever that was walking with her were definitely giving me looks, but at desperate times. And they looked at my thing. I get through. Then they're about to take them to a new place where I guess they screen a person in a wheelchair or something. I don't fucking know. I had to peel off from them. So I've made it through the first challenge. But then there's a whole other fucking Disneyland style line to even just go through the little security system thingy-majig. And so I, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I, I don't wear a watch. I'm looking at my phone. I have like 12 minutes to make this happen, like 15 minutes. Like this is bad. And so I just felt an adrenaline rush hit my body and I full-throated screamed into the line, I am about to miss my flight. Can I please cut the line? I'm so sorry. It was the most humiliating thing I had done in at least six or seven weeks. Everybody's looking at me like, Jesus Christ, but I mean, fucking fine. And so I get to rush through. I jam my shit through it. I'm running. I get out the other side. I run through the terminal and I'm looking, looking, looking for my gate. Like, I don't remember what it was. 34, 34, 34. Can't find it. It's all 20s. Where is it? I'm just exasperated. I'm freaking out. And I run to a gate agent. I'm like, where is the 34? She goes, oh, honey, you're in the wrong terminal. You need to go out and go through security to the 30s. These are the 20s. And I was like, what? I just immediately started crying because I understood what she was saying, but I was struggling to piece together how I had fucked up so bad. It all made sense. I just I was like so angry already. I immediately started crying. So I wasn't ready to call it yet. I had like 12 minutes until the flight left. I run out of the 20s. I go back into the French toast stick and I go to the 30s, the one fucking right next to the one I had gone through. I do it again. I shout to a group of strangers yet again. And I'm also sweating profusely at this point. I'm going to miss my flight. Again, the same looks where they're like, my God, some people just can't handle being alive, I guess. And they let me through. I'm torrentially drenched in sweat by the time I'm through this one. There's like five minutes until the flight is set to leave. And I'm running, running, running down the thing. And I see the gate and I'm rushing towards the gate. And the woman at 34 just starts shaking her head. <laughs> As she sees me coming, she's just shaking her head in this quiet, steely resolve. And I knew exactly what was about to happen. The door was closed, but the plane was still fucking there. And she's shaking her head. I'm crying. I'm running up to her. And I'm like, please, can I get on the plane? And she just goes, it's over. 
<laughs> and I knew nothing I said was going to change her mind because it was over. Like, whoever is in charge of disconnecting the plane from the umbilical cord or whatever the fuck that thing's called was already flipping the switches and moving it and the plane's starting to move away. And it's right there, but it might as well be on Mars. You're not getting on. You're not going. You're not Taylor Swift. You're not going. And I just started crying. I just cried and cried. The stress of it, the cortisol was coursing through my body. And this actually blew my mind. She said, we'll get you on standby for the next one. And that was surprising to me because this was all clearly my fuck up. I totally would have been in the wrong for them to be like, you can just straight up buy a new flight, bitch. So that was actually really chill. So I, I decide, okay, I'm going to wait. I'll get the standby. I'm going into the woods in North Carolina to a friend's wedding. And I had a plan with a bunch of friends. As soon as I get to North Carolina, I had rented the rental car and we were all going to drive together because we had timed all of our flights and whatnot to arrive at the same time. I, I call the friends and I tell them, you know, I, I fucked up and I'm crying and it's all a big thing. And I can just feel their annoyance with me through the phone. And it's, it's fair. I get it. They're like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. Like, just get here. And so I decide I'm going to sit at this airport bar and I just drink a bottle of champagne and wait. Cause like, clearly that's what a high functioning person would do in this instance. The flight comes. Hallelujah. They have room for me. So once I get on the flight, I sort of immediately pass out. And when I wake up, I'm kind of feeling like hungover in Winston-Salem or wherever the fuck it was. I don't really remember. And I'm thinking that the worst part of the story is over. I'm thinking that this is my hero's journey and I've come through the other side, which is all to say I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I've experienced the adversity and the adversity is over. It's time to go get the rental car. As soon as I get off the plane, I'm looking for the rental car agency thing and I can't find it. And I pull up the reservation and it's saying a different airport. This immediately enrages me because I booked the rental car. And in my head, I'm like, I wouldn't have done that. I would have thought this through and made sure that I got it at the right airport. But I don't think it's feasible that I would book it at the correct airport and they would bump me over to another one. So I'm willing to accept that I fucked up. And I did accept that pretty quickly. I was like, yep, okay, par for the course. Like, I guess that's what happened there. So I have to get an Uber. It won't let me get the regular Uber because I don't know, the fucking CEO of Uber felt like making money that night or something. So I have to get the Uber XL. It ends up costing like 200 bucks to go from this airport to the other. So in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, we are racking up some losses on this trip already. It is what it is. I get to the other airport. It's small. It's regional. It's like 9 45 10 p.m at night like this whole thing has taken so much longer than it was meant to take i go into the regional airport and it is the ghost town there's like two other people there it doesn't appear to be that planes really go in or out and i just i got a bad feeling walking in i go in and there are two rental car agencies one of them has the lights on and two people working there and one of them has the lights off and no people working there and wouldn't you know, that's the one I've booked through. So I go up to it and the futility of ringing the little bell. But I did. Nobody's there. I call corporate, like the little hotline thing. They're like, oh, yeah, no, it's open. I'm like, yeah, but I'm here. And it's quite literally not. And they're like, well, it definitely is open. So let us just, we're just going to go ahead and give that branch a call. And the phone starts ringing in the dark on the other side. And this is after I've been going around with them for 10, 15 minutes and them not believing me that it's closed. 
I just gave up. I just jumped over the barrier and answered the phone. And I was like, it's me. They're not here. And they were supposed to be open. I'm going to stand by that. They were supposed to be open. But I guess the guy that was supposed to be working it closed it early or something. Or that's what I ascertained. And it was just fury beyond all imagination. Like when you think your trials and tribulations are over, but they're just totally not. That can inspire so much more fury than if someone had said, hey, someone's going to bang you over the head with a hammer for like 10 to 12 hours. It's sort of nice to know up front in some cases. I was so angry. So the next thing a person does is turn to the rental car agency that is operating and go, can you rent me a car? Which is exactly what I did. And they were like, I'm so sorry, we don't have any cars. This was in 2021 when nobody could buy a car or rent a car. There truly was a shortage. And they're trying to be helpful, trying to empathize. They're starting to shut down anyway. One of them goes out to the back. One person who's working the desk, just reiterating, we don't have any cars for you to rent. And I'm starting to understand that I'm going to have to spend the night here and try again tomorrow. So I start the process of trying to get an Uber to take me to a hotel. And again, it's going to be another $4,000 to get to a fucking Holiday Inn. I'm at peak fury. And as I'm fighting with Uber, the woman at the counter of the operating rental car agency that's starting to close down goes, you might want to try looking at the lot where they park the cars. Sometimes the guy's out there cleaning. So maybe you should go check the lot. And I was like, oh, cool. Thank you. That is a good idea. I'm still as angry as I've ever been, but I'm not, but I'm not mad at her to be clear. And I was like, oh, thanks. That's like a good tip. So I walk around And there's the other guy from the rental car agency that was in operation doing stuff or whatever. And there's no other guy. I'm shouting for him, walking around in the dark in a graveyard of Honda elements. And the guy is definitely not there. I just give up. I'm like starting to walk back towards the front of the terminal. And here comes the guy from the other rental car agency. He's ripping a cig. And he just looks at me and he says do you really need to rent a car? That did send me a little bit. I was like, yes, yes. That's what I've been shouting about for a not insignificant amount of time. And he looks over to his lot, which is empty, save for one vehicle. And he nods to the vehicle, which is a 20-person passenger van. And he goes, I'll rent you that if you really need a car. I am not playing when I tell you in that moment, it was instantaneous, instant. All of the anger in my body, rage that had been funneling in and collecting and filling me up and was fucking overflowing the top of me, it just drained away. All of it melted out the bottom of my shoes. I was filled with joy. I realized in that moment that all of the anger had melted away and had been replaced with all of this light, that all of it had to happen exactly the way that it happened for this to happen. I had to miss the flight. I had to go to this airport. It all had to happen the way it had to happen for me to get this van. And I was filled up with so much happiness because I know this to be true when God or whoever mixes up all the souls in the universe before they're shat into the world. He doesn't give everybody, or she, whatever, doesn't give everybody a full stack. You get some, you lose some. And I will say this, God gave me humor. 
And I just knew it was funny. I knew it was funny. I was so excited about this joke. I was dancing. My feet were pitter-patter, tapping around, so excited for the ability to laugh about this with other people. And it all had to happen exactly as it did happen for me to get the opportunity to stand there with those keys in my hand. I quickly do the paperwork. I get the keys. I get in it. I'm not exaggerating. I laughed so hard. I was worried about throwing up for a little bit. I had to get on the road because I was late. I was so behind. I had to get on the road. But I laughed like a hyena. It was an outrageous LOL that will go down in the books as one of the best for me. And it happened all by myself. And I drive the van for two hours into the mountains. <laughs> I'm like getting excited and happy thinking about it just now. I drive it into the mountains. I arrive at Blowing Rock, North Carolina. I roll up in front of the bar and I just text my friend. I'm like, everybody come out right now. And they all come out and it was as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> the laughter, the laughter, the screaming. Oh my goodness. I felt like a war hero returned home. Everybody was <laughs> shouting with happiness and laughter and excitement. And it was just next level. And so that was totally fucking worth it. I was loving retelling the story to the gang because they were humoring me. They knew I needed it. And I just kept saying it was all in God's plan. I just could not stop laughing that it's all in God's plan. And then my friend's husband makes this joke all in God's van. And that I just, I cannot imagine a better joke. I was blown away by that joke because it was so perfect. The first feeling I feel is just absolute bliss at the surprise of the joke, absolute joy at the joke. The second feeling I feel immediately is rage, pure unfiltered rage that he made the joke and I didn't make the joke because there's such a nasty little part inside of me that wants to be the only one. I get so selfish and greedy about jokes, like a good joke that I hear. I will immediately just be like, why didn't I think of that? I wish I thought of that. I'll get so angry. Like, Elon Musk on his little rocket being like, I have to save the world. It has to be me. It's like, okay, but like, you won't. <laughs> Your need to be the guy is the reason you're not gonna. It's like that for me with jokes. I lost my shit about God's van. That is the very sacred spiritual nature of silly little ding-dongs is that everything rogue and random and bad has to happen in order for the one little good piece of light to squeeze out. You really have to just wring some love out of a bad situation. And that's exactly what a silly little ding-dong is. When I tell you that to this day, thinking about God's van can bring a smile to my face the way it is literally right now. You can probably hear it in my voice. I love thinking about it because I remember the feeling. That feeling of every single bit of anger, like hot lava inside of me, in an instant, liquefying, draining out the bottom and just... All of this light funneling in like fucking lightning striking the top of my head and filling me up with happiness. It really was like that. It was a physical sensation. It was very spiritual to me, which is what enabled my friend's husband to go, oh, God's man. Like, <laughs> it's just perfect. Everything has to happen. All the bullshit has to happen for one little flower to sprout up through it. And that's God's van. So that's that. That's the little ding dong I wanted to share with you today.
it's all in God's van. You have to put up with an insurmountable volume of hootenanny to get to the other side where the best joke is waiting, the silliest moment is waiting, so much light, so much laughter, so much live, laugh, love, where your live, laugh, love poster is waiting on the other side. I swear to the heavens, if you look for silly little ding-dongs, you will find them like an impaled apple on top of a fire hydrant. Okay. I miss you. I love you. Thank you for listening. And uh, as we go, enjoy this song from our sponsors. Bye. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Big Lemonade. Lemonade is a supreme drink that will quench your thirst and keep you minimally viable healthy. Lemonade does not condemn or endorse any of the statements made in this podcast. Please enjoy Lemonade responsibly. I love drinking lemonade. Lemonade tastes so good. And if you don't drink lemonade, well, I think that you should. Lemonade tastes so fine. Tastes like a sweet summer day. You think you're gonna die, you won't just drink some lemonade.